Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Decree gone out. You are cordially invited to attend the Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 180, hosted by Jeff Figley and Django Boren, celebrating the 2020 return of comic books. Yay! That was really off. That was really off brand for us. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe we should go back in. Maybe we should go back in. No, we're in. We're in. What about the intro? We're going to invert everything if you... you... I don't really remember how to do it. Welcome to a Perfectly Acceptable Podcast, episode 180, where every Tuesday we get together and talk about all the new comics that came out, that came into the comic book store that Django and I own, <laughs> and engage. We Then we Wednesday, we sell them on Wednesday. That's a gray area right now. We eat them. Um, we, we, we read them, eat them with our eyes. And then we come back to get on Zoom, not in the same spot as one another, to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comic books that came out, our comic shop, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff Figley, and shucks howdy, it may have been not many, but it sure felt good to have new comics out. I'm Django, and shucks howdy, I didn't know what you were going to say about those, but uh, I agree. What do you mean? You didn't know what I was like. You, I, I'm like, just talking. I'm just making noises with my mouth right now. <clears throat> okay, I have to tell. I'm still you warming up. It's been a long time since I talked. I know. About I'm I'm afraid to get into the portion where we're talking about the comic book, so I'm going to well, try let's... and stay in this liminal space of between the beginning of the podcast and the discussion of the comic books. Yeah, and... yeah. Don't don't get in that meat yet. No. And... <sighs> Let's consider this portion vegetarian right now, all right? (laughs) Meat-free. I was on deliveries today, Jango. Oh, yeah, give me that avocado. A thing happened, and I I knew that, like, it wasn't safe. You were out driving, but all I could do was come back to my car to call you. I went to your voicemail, and I was like, okay, good, because I realistically should save this until this evening when we're on the podcast. Nice. Now, this might not be terrifying or shocking. To you. Well, I, I'm, I want you to try and occupy the physical space that I occupy in this world. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, now, like, just assume and then exist within the difference of how you and I would approach a stranger's house, even bearing right. gifts, you know? Okay. Well, first of all, I would get out of a blue Saturn. You would get out of a silver Prius. And you would walk out there with some big dick energy. You'd be like, I'm bringing gifts to a home that knows I'm coming. I'm going to bang on this door. They're going to love it. They're going to open the door and get presents. I might as well be Santa Claus, right? I like, just call it energy, but yeah. I, I <laughs> it is. It's a lot of, it's big energy though. <laughs> so like Jeff's equivalent of that is like sort of just sheepishly hot, like shuffling, you know, to a door. Do, got, do you make like the, the Flintstones? No, but I do have a sort of Charlie Brown pig pen-esque just plume of smoke okay. that billows, like dust that billows around my feet as I shuffle. Okay. I, um, I've seen you do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
a lot. Got to a house today, had to go up a couple stairs. I'm looking down at the stairs that I'm going up and each one has a different little small planter on it. And it's mm. one says like tomato and one says like, you know, I don't know. Oregano. Rat. Oregano, exactly. Rattlesnakes? Um, yeah, rattlesnake plants. <laughs> I said radishes. Okay. It doesn't, I'm glad. I don't even know really what the procedure is for radishes. I don't know if it's a, <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I, as I'm like going, you know, I'm walking the then 20 steps up to the door from these stairs. And I'm thinking like, wow, that's really quaint. Like now, like people who are delivering or coming and going can sort of track the, you know, the growth of these plants. That's a cool, mm-hmm. people are finding really interesting ways to stay interacted with, you know, <laughs> culture. And as I have that thought, I take the, the books that are in a paper bag and I put them down, you know, propped up for, against the door to mm-hmm. you know, the ground. I've got, you know, right. definitely a, you know, a right triangle right there right. you know yeah. cute on top um and i think like man this went this door's got like you know six squares of glass is like uh-huh. what this door is you know i'm like that's cool i really like that plant thing and just as i start to get up i from, hear it from kneeling and setting yeah, the bending over yeah. you know trying to bend with my legs i hear is yeah. important yeah. oh yeah um i hear a large dog bark and i think mm-hmm. like big dog bark and as soon as that happens, <laughs> all of the glass in one of those panels shatters explosively <laughs> outwards at me. <laughs> and the dog has like busted his head through the square glass door. And Who's like, in my motherfucking house? <laughs> dude. And I'm thinking like, what the fuck just happened? Because <laughs> like if you're driving and like someone took a, sh- like a bullet shot at your window, it would take several seconds to realize there's broken glass. It shattered right. outward. Like, am I in danger? And did I, I do that. <laughs> exactly. I was like, did I do that? And I'm like halfway up and this dog is barking and his head is like out of this broken. And I'm like, and I first I look up at the window and there's like, a two-year-old leaning over the couch looking out the window at me this man in a mask and like this dog is just you know thank god it's not like gushing blood like it's, right yeah that's a whole level of fear i did, they didn't see any blood and then like a woman on a phone opened the door and i looked at her and i'm just like i'm so sorry and she's like it's okay uh She's like, it was bound to happen. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so sorry. And like, like hands on my head, like sort of power walking backwards. And I just sort of like hustled away. But it was insane. So just I get my guilt. Like, oh, my, I know I didn't do that. But like, I knocked on the door. Should I not have knocked on the door? You got to knock on the door, right? I knock on the door. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I wasn't in the wrong by having done that. So let me, let me read you something that I got when I got back to the store after doing my deliveries. Oh, no. It's, uh, sorry to whoever delivered to this address on Ellis Street, and our dog broke a window jumping at the door. Ma- uh, face, face smash, shrugging shoulders icons. She's not a fan of COVID masks. We've tried to explain to her they are good. She doesn't fully agree. Nevertheless, <laughs> thanks for the delivery. Sorry about your door. I said, oh, no, I hope everybody's okay. I'll pass the explanation on to Jeff. He hinted to me that he had a wild story to tell. I'm excited to hear it from his perspective. (laughs) And uh, he said, poor guy, give him our best. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I'm bummed that you had spoilers for it. but I am too, but it was, 
I was really excited to hear it, it to hear exactly what happened because that's pretty thin information there. It's very jarring to like kind of feel a little bit excited to be putting something on a door and then have the glass blow out of a door at you. <laughs> like to the like the explosive sounds of a dog. I was like, this is why Django's not a huge fan of dogs in the store. It's it's why I'm not a huge fan of just animals. Like I I like I like human predictable behavior. Yeah. I'm I'm better with that. The animals are uh, all chill until the one in a hundred times where they explode a bunch of glass <laughs> out a door at you at a stranger. <laughs> like, holy shit. How amazing that it's tied to COVID masks. I mean, I love it. it makes sense because that door would have had to have been fucking busted before now if it was not related to COVID mm-hmm. masks. That's, that's wild. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. I'm glad the dog didn't bleed out in front of you on the porch. I'm super glad the dog is not hurt. <laughs> good lord um wow well that that supersedes anything exciting that could have happened to me well you were out far north i was the blissful was. northern northern foothills of canada pretty close yeah i mean i i just went to ferndale and i had mostly deliveries in ferndale and then a, a string of 12 to 22 minutes apart at the end there Hmm. and uh i love those drives yeah just the like some some big farm had just mowed their lawn or something when i was driving by and i took my mask off to smell it it was heavenly um it's crazy you know you you're you get in your car and it says like three hours of delivery and you're like okay i don't know like that it sounds like a lot of work, but it just, you start immediately. It's like drive 45 seconds and there's your first yeah. stop. <laughs> and, and at no point during like the in-town ones, is it ever like exerting work? It's just like right. very small, two minute bite-sized chunks, just 24 of them, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's bizarre in that regard. Yeah. I, I, I dig it. I, I like doing both, both versions of it. Yeah, the end sneaks up on you. It always does. I stopped and had a Wonder Burrito in the middle of all of mine today and sat in my car and listened to a podcast and ate a Wonder Burrito. I don't stop for nothing. I'm I'm not going into places. I'm not talking to people. I don't even stop to pee. There have been a couple times. No, I I did it. The the first time I did it was the last time I'll do it. Okay. I I might employ a similar strategy moving forward. I think that's a good idea. Hey, are we uh, going to talk about some new books? Do we need to like throw that out to folks? Do we, I mean, like yeah. comics are back. We should, I know that we physically aren't ordering enough comic books right now to just have a giant 30 book stacks <laughs> with us like we did the last time we talked about new comics, but um, we could probably rattle off some titles that we want to talk about that we've read. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are we going to talk about? Um, well, Django, I think we want to start off with. Oh yeah. We got to talk about John Constantine Hellblazer number five. And I would like to talk about Year Zero, number one, by Benjamin Percy. Nice. Um, I think we should also talk about another um, another exciting book, Deceased Unkillables, number three. Oh, that is an exciting book. And Ludocrats, number one, by Kieran Gillen. Oh, yeah, a little, a little fun job. <laughs> um, when we're done with that fun job, let's talk about Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 10. That is one classic goof-em-up fun jobber. <laughs> I tell you what. 
and, and then should we oh go ahead well i would say that we should wash it down with some five years and then a nice conversation about some of the collected editions that came out this week that uh, yeah Sorry if that sounded like we were just making it up as we went along, ladies and gentlemen. We usually don't like to part that portion of our kimono quite yeah. as wide as we did. But we uh, actually install buttons into our kimono, which is not a, it's not historically accurate to how the kimono is supposed to flow. <laughs> it's not how it flow mono. Uh, oh, yeah, there's something right. there's something somewhere for everyone, Django. Anyway, comics. Yeah comics okay listen now it's good that this is a small week because we're rusty dusty salty boys and uh and that's supposed to just be me oh. the rusty, dusty salty boy wow that's true that's true i've lumped myself in with your dust today willingly well, you know for dust, for some dust is as dust does dust do you're right um this week so we can't, some things came out. A small number of books came out. Not a huge Largely number. DC. Largely DC. Not even not all the only. ones that we're supposed to. Yeah, not only. There was yeah. an image number one that was a, a, a big release. Um, year zero from AWA. Hmm. Okay. AWA is Bill Jemis, right? I think so. And Axel Alonso. Okay. And they're old Marvel guys. Bill Jemis, I think from some of the stuff that I've listened to this week, I think he was a big part of the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, and for some reason, out of Comics Pro, we have like a bad taste in our mouth about these guys. Did we misinterpret who they were or something? I don't think that we did. I think okay. that they've done some some things that weren't super friendly to the comic industry in the past. Okay. That doesn't mean that that's all that they've done, though, because the Ultimate Universe, one of the best one of the best things that Marvel ever did, I think. I'm with you there. Um, it did save comic books. Yeah. So that's a conversation <clears throat> for the next book. Right now, we're talking about John Constantine's Hellblazer. A smarter Jeff would have just segued into talking about Year Zero then, but... Uh, <sighs> we don't have that guy this week. I'm not up to snuff. The jazz you, music's not in my blood. Listen, you had a door explode at you today. I know. I'm still in a sort of post-door explosive <laughs> refractory period. He's rattled, pretty baby. I'm rattled. And uh, I had to wash that whole experience down with a Wonder Burrito. Um, so listen, I read coming into this experience, John Constantine, Teen, Hellblazer, number four and number five, because mm. this run has been something that we haven't been able to keep track of. Like, uh, keep on the shelves is what I mean. Um, yeah, we sold out of the first issue or two. Quick. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and ordered each each issue more than the one before it so it was going up at a pretty huge rate i didn't know why didn't really even have a chance to read them because they were all gone but issue four i heard a lot about and brought home and then five came out and i, I read both of those in one sitting because Django had mentioned that maybe number five was his favorite book of the week i think it, i think gosh it's a great book I really enjoyed another book that we're going to talk about, but this yeah. this is my favorite issue of of the series so far. Okay, which is pretty impressive because I think that this is the whole series has kind of been a return to form for the character. Can you just give me a a what a what a one two punch a good what for about this issue about the issue? So it it basically tells us uh, the reason that this man bun hipster organic kale coffee drinking dude uh became a magician uh in relation to constantine 
and I'm going to call him Constantine. I know maybe it's Constantine, but uh, in my mind, anything from the Vertigo world is Constantine, and uh, you chalk it up to whatever. Um, can I? Can I? Um, can I say Constantine? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say Constantine. I think moving forward, I think okay. 180 will be on the record. That's where you and I made it clear. We, we parted the lexical kimono <laughs> and we said, we're coming down on the side of Constantine and we're never going to come back to this point again. Oh, wait, you're, you're coming back to Constantine. No, sorry. You're going to Constantine. Maybe I'm confusing. My, no, 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 no. I'm staying in the boat labeled Constantine. Okay. Ne'er to be found in a boat labeled Constantine, air again, although I've okay. never been there to begin okay. with. Okay. Uh, you will get in fights with people. Good. Uh, but anyway. Um, it turns out that this this hipstery dude who has been kind of a goofball, but you know, a lovable, helpful magician throughout the series, um, was kind of tricked into the role of a very important magician, or maybe lied to about what that role actually was, um, in order to take John's place. And in this one, John is kind of tricked into making sure that the guy um like the the people that tricked him tricked the guy into being this magician want john to fuck i don't even know i don't even know i read it and i forgot <laughs> stop laughing at fuck me. it <laughs> fuck it man we're so rusty it's been so long since there were comics out i don't even fuck it fuck um, I read this today, whereas you read this several days ago when it came out. Sure. Um, yeah, let's tell them that. <laughs> so yeah, there was. It's basically the second half of this two issue arc of this like super hipstery young uh, person showed up and he was tricked into being convinced that he is supposed to relate re- replace John Constantine. Shit, um, I said Tyne, uh, <laughs> and and it turns out that's not true. I, I, I'm not 100% sure what his real purpose was. I don't know if it was to just find John mm-hmm. or what, or maybe trap him. Um, I like it. It is sort of hard to follow betwixt two causal reasons. One, the art is a little bit hard to follow. I really like the art, but it's a really unique style. Yeah, it seems like oddly colored riley rossimo pencils to me yeah like pretty what i like about it a lot is that it is clearly someone's style like they're not trying to do anything outside of of their own style so i think that they're i think they're really talented and i'm really glad that they're on a dc book i do think that it is a little hard to follow but i also contribute that to my own like i've never read hellblazer any except for like the last six issues when vertigo ended it i was reading those monthly but i and i've read everything so i don't know who some of these people are or what sort of the the magical items that the man bun the the jeff john constantine compared to the Django john constantine <laughs> i don't know like which oh that makes me john <laughs> yeah this whole time i was like Django has to feel like this about us like this has to be like um a fair amount of like what it's like to have been on the scene and then jeff showed up <laughs> he's why is his hair tied up 
<laughs> I forgot about your man bun. <laughs> Dude, it was a ponytail. I had a ponytail for like three years, just a minute ago. Like, I've always tied my hair back. I don't think it was a man bun. You had a man bun for like two days, and I think I made a couple offhanded digs at you, and you never wore it again. I think that you just saw me on a day where it was like an inch higher on my head than normal because like, you know, I just, you just, we did just go through a several year period where my hair was exclusively pulled back. Or Jang was trying to out me as a man bunner. <laughs> You're the manliest bun. I know, I know. I've got uh, sugar buns. So I, I think that this series is really funny. And honestly, obviously, I'm not tracking the ins and outs of of the who's and why's super mm-hmm. close because I don't generally read comics closely enough to do that. But um, I I do think that the characterization of the dude is hilarious. Of John um, or? No, John's... John's Willowbrook buddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he, and And just how grumpy john is about being saddled with this super healthy super kind like the guy is exactly the opposite of john and i really like that i like in the beginning john calls him sprightly and that's like that's a fucking insult in john's world you know yeah (laughs) and and just like how much the guy likes smoothies yeah, I do love that as a present theme in these two issues. The weird the weird coffee that he keeps giving John. Like John just wants gas station coffee. Like yeah. Better better if it's uh just like uh a tire place that doesn't even sell gas, you know. In the first of the two issues, they sort of meet while he is like dealing with these crows who are all they they're these famous crows that all say these specific words and people like come and look at them i I don't know what it is but he's trying to get rid of them and at the end the guy's like wow how'd you do that you got the whole crow thing the raven thing sorted out and he's like i just taught him a bunch of new words and he's got a shot of all these crows saying rock cunt piss cock and balls hello big purple cock and balls willy bum willy bum willy bum um and like the cops just had to like chase him out of the area and i was like i cannot believe a dc book just printed the c word yeah, well, they the first issue of this had a yeah. had a pretty awesome instance of that. That scene reminded me of uh, I think it was in Chicago, maybe, where there were all these potholes and the city wouldn't do anything about them. So somebody spray painted dicks around them, mm-hmm. and then the city came out and patched them. <laughs> well played. Um, I'm, but yeah, I liked I liked reading these. I liked reading it and knowing what's going on and being abreast of the situations in the series. And I look forward to reading subsequent issues of it. I'm, I'm excited to be on the Constantine Hellblazer trail. What did you think of the, a, the way that the, the antagonist uh, old lady who had moved to America, like LA or something manipulated John into taking this guy out? Because she was like, she she tried a couple subtle things, and he's like, yeah, I don't like, I don't care about that. I don't care if somebody's in danger. Like, he's he's just such a such a jaded sack of shit. And eventually, she's like, well, you know, he might succeed all on his own without your help. How would you feel about that? And he realizes that he's got to take care of this thing. Yeah, I thought. I wonder if that's in line with John's character. 
Yes. Because I don't, I don't know him. So he wouldn't want other people to succeed at the thing that like the one thing that he's apparently good at. Yeah. And, and more, even more than that, he's just pretty callous with his friends. Like he's famous for having f- dead friends. The whole, the whole first uh, arc was about him dealing with the ghosts of all the people that he's directly and indirectly killed who used to be his friends. Who's he talking to on this phone? He's like texting somebody all the time. Um, gosh, I don't know. What I liked about this is I did think that it was relatively true in tone to the source material. Like there was a Keanu vibe. It felt mm-hmm. like, you know, it had the Tilda Swinton character. Like it was really drawing from the, the primal Constantine stone, which is the, the Constantine film <laughs> with Keanu Reeves. Django, look at me and acknowledge that I'm making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> You're just constantly making a joke. <laughs> that film is great, is my point. I love the movie. <laughs> I actually really like the movie, too. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a terrible adaptation, but it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah. Um, um, strong yoga sesh, bro. Yeah, super strong yoga sesh, to quote the poet. So uh, I would give it, gosh, we do ratings. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. What do you Out give... Of- at a seven? What do we, we do? We chase our bliss. At one point, I talked about changing to a five, and people were like, fuck that. <laughs> so we do it at a 10. I only know that because I'm shackled to the number. Uh, uh, I would give this an eight. Me too. Yeah? Yeah, right on Did the you, dot. Do you think that for you, that's colored by it being a comic in the first week of the grand return of comics? I thought that this was a very strong week to make the first week back because it did not come back explosively. Like it was like, <laughs> hey, here's some stuff. Get ready. Comics are coming back. Remember that you like them. And then I promise you at some point in the next couple of weeks, we are going to deliver. I, I dribbled this out for you. Here yeah, are exactly. 12 comics. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I, I think it's really solid, and I'm super, super glad that we've got somebody <laughs> who is good at writing Constantine again. And this week was, like, pre-comic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, I want to talk about something that really surprised me, Django. Oh, yeah? What was that? Have you heard of the, comp- the upshot company, AWA? Oh... I think it's uh, spearheaded by a couple upstanding chaps, um, one responsible for the birth of the Ultimate Universe, and one who uh, did some high position at Marvel Comics for a long time. Oh, Axel and Jim. Axel and Jim. Bill. Bill Jimis. Jaxel and Bill. Um, Bursch. I... They had a book come out. They had a couple books come out on the final week of the world. And it was Resistance and mm-hmm. like Archangel 8 or something like that. And yeah. none of them were super interesting to me. Resistance was J. Michael Straczynski and then Mike Diodato did the art. Kind of interesting names. but So what blows me away about that yeah. is that I would have read that if I had gotten past the cover that I guess I didn't care about enough to even read who wrote it. Was it was like a skull of Earth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I like Straczynski. I like him when he gets weird and I really like you Diodato. Like, yeah. Well, I wasn't excited about this, especially cause it's got some, you know, like reference to zombies on the cover, but it's written mm-hmm. by Benjamin Percy. Okay. And 
I have read two things by Benjamin Percy that I remember. Green? No, maybe. But he's writing X-Force and Wolverine. Hmm. And both of those I liked much more than I thought I would. Like the X-Force book has been like the most interesting sort of take on the Krakoan relationships with the world at large. Yeah. So this book is really interestingly told. It is just a zombie story. um, But there's something about this guy's writing that I really like. Like it's very, I always know what's going on and he tells things in an interesting way and he finds interesting hooks within like monologues. Um, I really like, I do. And it's sort of fresh in my mind because we both listened to a podcast with Mark Miller in it today. Mm -hmm. Um, But his writing style sort of reminds me of Mark Miller. And I also thought during that podcast that Donnie Cates kind of reminds me of Mark Miller um, in terms of like the types of things that they write and their ability. Yeah. And like that, I think the the audience they can attract, but um, anyway, this book is in this first issue. It's like maybe the very beginning of a zombie outbreak, but it's not really, we don't really even see any zombies in it. And it's, told from like six very different spots in the world all at the same moment so one is like Mm -hmm. a scientist up in antarctica um one is like a street child in mexico city one is a yakuza assassin in tokyo one is almost straight out of sheriff of babylon like a a female and a military worker in kabul um but it's like the he writes all of these characters really well and you care about them. Not like in you care about them, but they're very interesting in the way that it's being brought up. And then one is like an isolationist um, doomsday prepper Mm -hmm. uh, in Minnesota. And this book is designed to, instead of focusing, like there's a write up at the end. So instead of focusing on like the walking dead, like a group of survivors, this is supposed to be sort of, a definitive zombie story told from like on a macro level of how the world responds to it. And so he's sort of having several stories all taking place simultaneously, different spots in the world. So like world war Z, but I think that was still, wasn't that mostly a singular narrative? No, it was, it was a bunch of short chapters with characters that might, might overlap, but it was like, here's a military guy. Here's a, somebody else in another part of the world. It was okay. like, like vignettes and every once in a while, somebody would get referenced, but it wasn't, okay. this yeah, is wasn't like, a traditional narrative. you know, I think we're following these like six people, you know, <clears> from the get go. Um, the art is by Ramon Rosanos, who I was not familiar with, but I like the art. It's like kind of if you could imagine mixing the artist who does art in um he did art in american carnage and the discipline and old guard Mm -hmm. um whose name i'm spacing on right now is it is it uh leandro no fernandez yeah that is leandro fernandez him mixed with um the ice cream man guy martin marazzo oh wow so the ink line style and like the flat colors that was the thought I was having is it's those two things married together. I loved, I really like the writing, like, and I don't know how to describe it, but I, I really like this writer it's sort of, um, kind of it, my feelings about it remind me of how you talking about like Tom Taylor, when you were starting mm-hmm. to realize that you kind of like everything that guy does and he can find right. a way to make it. And I think all of that comes down to, there's this really amazing 
three-page sequence featuring churros. And I just really wanted some churros. And to this moment right now, I still want some churros. And I still haven't gotten the churro. And I really love focusing and bringing the churro into, you know, comics, my life, my house today. You know, I want a churro in Pandemica America, and I can't get one. And I appreciate you, Benjamin Percy, for focusing on it. So this is maybe a, a good lesson for me to yeah. stop being so judgmental with covers because I didn't like that cover and I didn't even bother to open it. It looks like a catalog to me. It does. And it sounds like I'm missing out on, on these guys' books uh, just because of my own prejudice against what their covers look like. And there's this other cool thing where there's like two pages in the back and it's just Leonardo, like forgotten pages of Leonardo da Vinci's journal. And it has like the Vitruvian man and he's using daily drawings, of the Vitruvian man to draw the progression of a zombie <laughs> that he's got tied up in his basement. Nice. So they're like kind of also then weaving this weird, uh, uh, paranoid, you know, conspiracy theory about zombies in it. Hmm. I'm not into zombies, but I, I really like the way that that story was told. And uh, it's just gonna be five issues long and I'm, I'm on board for it. Well, you were super into the artist that Ben Percy had on his ba first big book, which was Greenland or Green Arrow. Oh man. Okay. So he wrote the beginning of, yeah, you're right. Yeah. He wrote a couple issues of detective and then he wrote the end of the new 52 green arrow and then he wrote i think the bulk of or maybe even all of the the rebirth stuff rebirth stuff yeah because i read the rebirth stuff for the first 12 issues or so mm -hmm. and green arrow is a character that i just don't really have any attachment to but i loved the art and i liked the writing yeah. fine yeah okay. i read more of that book than i expected to yeah as it was coming out well that's really interesting um i would give this book ah, 7.5 to an 8 I'll say eight because I, I did really like the writing, but it is a subject matter I don't really care about. But um, it's also interesting. There's a write-up in the back and it's March 3rd. Oof. And he like is sort of talking about how crazy the world is and all the bad things that are happening. He's like, and the, you know, the oncoming, you know, like, or the advent of this COVID virus. And it's just like, ooh, oh, yeah. awkward. Yeah. And not a super fun time to be reading a book about a pandemic, but there we are. Well, speaking of zombie books that uh, you, I mean, you, you probably hated this one since it was, since it's just a, basically another zombie book, but uh, Deceased Unkillables number three. Hate zombies, don't care. Yep, that's what I thought. Um, well, Tom Taylor wrote it. Yeah. And Tom Taylor is to Django as Ben Percy is to Jeff. Yeah, basically, uh, like, like well, and I'm, I'm a little bit earlier in this podcast. I can't like, confirm that yet. No, it, but it's set in stone now. You oh, okay, yeah. Take Constant it back. Time. It's uh, <laughs> 180 when things got set in stone. <laughs> um, this book is so good. It's so good, man. It's so good. It's just it. There's there's nothing super special happening in the setting except for it's, the art. Well, the, yeah, the art is the art is gorgeous, but like in the story, right? We're just following a bunch of survivors trying to get trying to get kids out of a school uh, in a, in a zombie apocalypse versus Wonder Woman, and it's not it, like we've seen that story. We've seen that over and over and over, mm -hmm. and somehow Tom Taylor manages to get 
a lot of heart and emotions and character setup and long-term resolution in there. Um, and you have this threat of Wonder Woman when they're escaping, like she, she hasn't been seen yet, but they're worried about her. And when she finally shows up, it's like, Oh, you guys are fucked. Um, I, I thought it was really, really w- well done. The, the whole series has been better as has beat my expectations. And I don't know, man, I'm going to marry that guy someday. That's just the story of deceased though. Like from the get go, yeah such a low expectation and it has so massively exceeded that and and it has sold pretty well mm-hmm. um and yeah it, i i really liked deceased unkillables i think i liked it more than the original first six issue series i the first series had more good beats but it was also two times as long mm-hmm the art was gorgeous in it, but I much preferred Carl Mostert's art in this issue and this series. I think it's a shame that they have like four inkers on his art because mm-hmm. it does, it is inconsistent throughout the issue. And if they had known they were going to get an extra two and a half months to put this issue out. Um, <laughs> but they're all good. Like yeah. it's, it's not consistent, but it's never bad. No, it's just frustrating because it does hit some peaks at times. Mm-hmm each one had each one puts it like with a different flair um it's like shining a light from a different angle on something in the dark like it Mm -hmm. they all cast it in a slightly different light and some of the inkers he looks a lot like frank quietly and other ones he looks less like it and so i would like him to look more like it which is stupid look however you want but but (laughs) it's just it's weird that the the ink the ink can drastically affect the sort of finished look of his art um But yeah, the emotional punches in that issue were fantastic. It didn't, it didn't probably like get me teared up, which like the first one did. Mm-hmm. But I just really liked the succinct nature of this. I liked the characters that were in it. I liked the arcs that they all had. I liked that it was such yeah. an Elseworlds take. Like, hey, we're gonna take all these kind of B-list bad guys and then kind of turn them into good guys, whether you think that that's consistent with their character or not. Well, I, I felt like it was pretty consistent with their character. Like, if if you can't be, if you can't be a bad guy, you might as well help all these kids, right? Like, if if all of your heroes aren't around to fight anymore, what what does a supervillain do? Yeah, that's a good point. I just don't really know Deathstroke very well. And I, I go out of my way not to know Deathstroke yeah. very well, and yeah. I felt bad for him, and I was rooting for him in this, which is. Not what I expected. Right. And I guess I don't know if that's sacrilege to the character, you know? Sure. Like, I don't know if some Deathstroke Teen Titans fans are like, but Deathstroke would never do that. You know, and I don't really right. care because I loved it. But I could, I, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I really liked the Cassandra Kane mother bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved every time. Shiva, right? Yeah. I loved every time Mirror Master showed up and what a horrible menacing <gasps> thing yeah. he was. Yeah. Um, the Creeper the the bane death the the solomon yeah. grundy like and he still died on a monday thing the statue yeah. like it was filled with amazing moments yeah uh well done well done uh taylor and mostert yeah and they're, they're basically the new lennon mccartney for comics if you ask they me. are i know we've been saying that for a long time <laughs> Django and jeff championing 
Taylor and Mostert as the Lennon and McCartney of the Jobs and Wozniak era. <laughs> oh, you made it. Um, <laughs> you know what I did today? Uh, got attacked by a dog, yep. but were saved by a door. But the the person, yeah, you got to check your dog. If he's like going to start attacking people with masks, check your dog, bro. Teach your dog to like comics. That's true. Like, That's true. He should have I mean, smelled I, the fiction on me. Yeah. Um, the house I was at immediately before Dog Explosion House, guess who? Mm. Um, no idea. Phil Satile. Phil Satile. Phil fucking Satile. And you know Phil? what? What? No, I'm outside painting his house. Oh. I started talking to him. He came down off the ladder, talked to him for five or ten minutes. Nice. Yeah. It was the longest nice. I've stopped to talk to somebody while delivering things. It felt phenomenal to see him. Oh. And I hope Dino's listening. Yeah, I do too. That's Dino, love pump. you. I wish I was delivering to you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it was great to see Phil. Uh, just it made me aware of like how incredible it's going to be to start seeing these regular people that we see all used to see all the time and, and, and haven't seen now. And yeah, we it just kind of continue each day. Like it's normal, but then you're like, God, there is a weird hole in the form of all of these people. I used to see very regularly. We have a lot of friends that we suddenly don't have any contact with. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. I, I think you mentioned on our, on, on that um, city of subdued podcast that we had that like, it was weird to call, people who come into the store are customers yeah that was that what that was that's like, just a standing philosophy we've expressed but yeah, yeah it's, it's just bizarre because they're so much more than that and to to have them suddenly like they're not out of the equation they're still getting stuff from us and we're still like tiptoeing up to their front porch and running away after we knock on their door but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm a little bit jealous that you got to see phil yeah, it was, it was filking awesome. <laughs> okay, so you had, um, oh, Ludo I would give We got to oh, give yeah. deceased some numbers. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Hey, Django. What? That's a big niner. Niner. It's a niner wow. coming out. Wow. Coming out of the quarantine, the, the dearth of books or the boon of books. I don't the know. Dearth. The, dearth. the dearth. Okay, cool. I'm going to learn it one day. Um, it was, I, that, was, that was my pick of the week. Yeah. Um, yeah it was it was pretty amazing um i think i think that was my pick too yeah if if you made me pick <laughs> we do here we do we tie you to a chair and we do that thing with james bond had happen where we cut a we cut a hole beneath you and we just huh? take that weird whip thing and have it hit underneath the chair and then come up and hit your body uh, beneath the hole that was so hot yeah but only because mads mickelson was doing it <laughs> It's like, I don't know if you're mad at me. I assume you're mad at me because you keep hitting me in the testicles with this bar ball thing. But can you, why are you so upset, Mads Mickelson? A little to the left. A little to the left. <laughs> um, Django, we got to talk about ludocrats. Okay, I think I should uh, give you a um, full disclosure. Mm -hmm. I read it as a PDF. Okay. Which gives it an automatic minus two points for my enjoyment of reading something. I'll also throw out there, you read it as a PDF like a month and a half ago. Was it that long ago? Time it has was, no meaning to me anymore. Yeah. It was I probably like a month ago. Sure. 
So I read the physical copy this week. This is written by Kieran Gillen. It's co-written by a different writer. And then it has an artist on it. And I'm going to find those credits because it's irresponsible to not do it um, while I'm talking here. It's like uh, Gillen Rosen Rosknoll? Yeah, Ro- Rossignol. Stokely and Stokely. Uh, Bonvian. And Tamara. Um, Howells. It was not my type of thing it is a little bit like i hate fairyland if you couldn't if the if the floor age that that book was appropriate for was raised like six years and that's a weird tone kind of humor yeah weird tone to strike like page three we've got a penis love a penis in my book but i've i've uncomfortably sold i hate fairylands to kids with their parents as young as like 10 Mm -hmm. and like right off the bat we got penis we got like talks of intercourse we got ironclad labias mentioned a bunch we got like it's just a weird demographic age tone i'm not really sure it's very cutesy but then and then on top of that it's very it was very like zany for the sake of being zany and it's in this sort of like fantastical land where there's a king and like it's called ludocrat so it's like the aristic aristocratic people in a world that it thrives off things being ludicrous yeah and that's weird it's weird it's like i like kieran gillen in theory i really like his role in comic books i like how open-minded and supportive of just retailers he is and individuals i think he finds great artists for his books but i've never cared enough to finish one of them except for young avengers i did like that so i think when he's forced to be reined in an amount like that it might work but i think he gets a little bit lost in his world building at times this is i'm tracking through motives this is apparently something that he was working on 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. Like it was supposed to come out and something happened and it didn't come out. And then it was supposed to come out and then the pandemic hit and uh, well, now it's out. Um, I, I had a hard time with it because like there's a fine line between ludicrous and absurd. And I love absurdity and I don't like ludicrousness if that makes sense. Like there's, there's just, it's, it's a very thin difference between the two. And I, they, they don't both work for me. And yeah. this one, eh. I, I'm with you. I can't really quite put a finger on it. I would love for Kieran Gillen fans to check this book out and tell me what they like about it because there are Kieran Gillen fans out there. He's a hugely popular writer. Mm -hmm. Um, This is like, like die is probably the top of the type of Kieran Gillen projects that I like that. And like young Avengers, I would like die a lot. Yeah. And, and while I haven't finished it or I'm not current on it, um, it's, you know, it's the thing that's most interesting to me. This one is, is pretty bottom of the barrel. It's so weird. At one point they like draw this scene where like, Mick Jagger shows up in like a fish costume and it's like, Oh, how ludicrous this is. It's an image comics crossover with Casanova from the Matt fraction series, Casanova. And I was like, that is a ludicrous reference because no one remembers Casanova. I don't even think all of it's in print. Like if 
that's probably speaks to the truth of if this was supposed to come out years ago, because exactly. that's yeah. when Casanova would have been relevant. Um, it, yeah, I, I want to have liked it more than I did. I do think that it has a kind of absurdist humorous tone that maybe some people really like probably kind of there with God hates astronauts, but I think it, it's, it, but yeah, but it's, 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 it's a less than version. God um, hates astronauts was absurd. Yeah. And this is ludicrous. This is closer to Deadpool for me. If that makes sense. Like more winking at the camera, more, more like stupid, stupid self-aware jokes. It, it, a word that has been bandied about in association with Kieran Gillen. And I think he maybe even says it and self-identifies as being very pretentious. This is, it's a very pretentious book. It's very like, <laughs> look at all of these things that I think are ludicrous and absurd and spend your time wading through this muck because I think it's, and maybe it becomes great, but uh, I, I couldn't wait for it to be over the whole time. Uh, I almost stopped reading it and then figured that I should finish it. Oh, so you're a better man than I am. I think I only finished it because I knew you didn't and I knew one of <laughs> us had to. And no blame or judgment there. I'm happy to read half of a thing if you're going to read the other half of it. You know, like that's... <laughs> um, but I felt I felt obligated to. And it's, you know, new comics were back out. It's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's great. New uh, comics. What, what do you give it? I'm going to give it a four. Hmm. I didn't care for the art very much. I didn't care for the story very much. I didn't finish it, so I can't give it a score. Yeah, that's a good way of getting out of having to give low ratings. Yeah. But I I don't think it's poorly done. It's just not a thing that I liked at all. Yeah, I would I would give the the three quarters of it that I read a three. Yeah. Um Yeah, and you know, that said, comics are real personal. Somebody this is somebody's favorite comic. Yeah. And, and I don't I don't want to shit all over it. It just didn't tickle my funny bone at all. It's hard to like say four because again, I have this default like you made a comic, it should at least be a five. Like right. you made a comic. That's awesome. You don't need to pat that guy on the head for making a comic. But Kieran Gillen, yeah. If anything, <laughs> I feel like maybe Kieran needs to whip out his journals and show me that he's worth all of the praise. Uh, after no, that's that's judgmental because I'm just a guy in a room where cats poop next to me all the time. That's just my thing. Yeah, it's that's a room that's just a litter box and uh and, and look at my guitars. <laughs> um okay. So after Ludocrats, what else we got in the booklet? We got oh, five buddy. years, but what do we have another one? We got another funny one. It was uh Jimmy Olsen oh, number ten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you read it? No, I haven't read anything since issue one. Okay. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna go too deep, but it's it's a just more amazing like I don't know the the Matt Fraction Steve Lieber connection there. Those those two know how to make a comic real funny. Um, every every gag that I caught landed, and I'm guessing that there are plenty of gags in there that I just read too fast to catch. Um, they've they've got the barfing cat is back. They've got oh, you know what it is, Jeff. Hmm. In the beginning, Jimmy and his friends are stuck on the top of a supermarket with nothing to defend themselves against the bad guy and his robot henchmen other than bananas. Oh. And you know I like a banana. I know you love a Grand, Mart Grand Marnier. And 
at some point, Jimmy throws a banana peel over the edge and these robots that just hover over the sidewalk, one of them slips on it and dies. <laughs> and the, the big bad guy's like, oh, you, you killed Kevin. Um, and it, and South and they, Park reference? No, no, that's Kenny. Oh. But they they, they okay. point out like, okay, what's the deal with this guy calling his droids like pyramid droids and naming one of them Kevin if he's from another like another universe how how does he know those words at all um which is one of my one of my things that bugs me about a lot of the Star Wars canon why is do it, people from far away places have common sense names yeah like why why is there a buzzard droid did we name yeah. our buzzards after the buzzard droids that doesn't make any goddamn sense um <laughs> Glad that we can elevate the conversation to this <laughs> this spot we're in right now. I don't know, man. I I liked it. Good banana theme throughout. The the robots just as as this as the story goes. Every time you see the scene, the more robots have slipped on this one banana, <laughs> and they don't even touch the ground. They're they're hovering the whole time. I intend uh, to read that book, but I just. Um... I'm going to wait, you know, and hopefully I will actually read it when it has been collected. And I can do that. Give Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett Olson yeah. uh, seven and a half out of 10. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you approach the buffet table of infinite scores and you would pull a seven off of that buffet. And a half. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. Andrew, did you get that? Yeah. Um, I saw Andrew today. Talked to him for a bit too. Yeah. Did you ask him to note when you get my numbers wrong? Like I want an asterisk on his spreadsheet. I will talk to him about okay. when I mishear, misinterpret, or incorrectly surmise what you're giving a score as. Okay, I appreciate 100%. it. 100%. Uh, thanks, thanks for doing that. 100%. I'm sorry uh, everybody had to see between the parted kimono yeah. the, the truth of our relationship here. Yes, the uh, infinite forest of communication that lies just beneath the kimono. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> five God years. You got me. <laughs> I got you. I got you, buddy. Um, Terry Moore, five years, number nine. This Turn issue, on, dead man. I don't get that reference. It's a Beatles thing. Uh-huh. I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's about constant time. I get that hey. reference. Um, Terry Moore, five years, number nine the penultimate issue of the series was going to come out the week after, like the first week that all the books were canceled. Mm -hmm. So the first week that books would have come out, he did release that book digitally. Mm -hmm. And I read it digitally. And then he said that because of the way all this stuff is going to be playing out and released, he printed a limited number of issue number 10, because it was going to be the final issue of the series just himself at home with its own unique, like a special cover and you could buy him off of his website uh, instead of needing to wait like this indetermined extra amount of time to get the final issue of this series. He was just like, I just want this to be over. Uh, So I did that. I had that come in. I read issue number 10 today. Issue number nine came into stores this last Wednesday, which means I bet number 10 is probably a month, month and a half out. Yeah. We read this whole series, I think I maybe missed like an issue five or an issue six in here. Um, you, did, you didn't read it or you, we didn't talk about it? Uh, I didn't read it. I missed okay. it. We didn't talk about every issue on the podcast. I think you read every one. I've read them all. It's spectacular. And it's insane that we have both read this whole series. When was the last read, time we ever read 10 issues of anything in a row? 
Well, that. Also, something that is like a coming together of a whole bunch of other series we didn't read. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this final issue, that was one thing I noticed. I'm not really going to talk much about it outside of the fact that it did suffer a little bit from being a black and white comic that has all of these different people who look a little bit alike and having not read all of the different books, I was finding it. I was like, okay, this is confusing. Um, there's a person in a dark hat and there's also the scientist that they pick up in issue number nine. Mm-hmm. And those two people look almost exactly the same. And yeah, they're that's... in different cars. And, and that was really confusing while reading number 10. But tell me about your experience with number nine. Well, he's an amazing cartoonist, but that's, that's like his one shortfall is that his characters do tend to kind of mush together sometimes. This issue has like one of the most beautiful five-page murder scenes in the snow. Like, why in a movie, why would you set a murder scene in the snow? It's so that you can get the contrast of the red on the white. Yeah. Right? And in this, she murders a couple of Russian guards with big swords in the snow. They're wearing black and you see no color at all. And it's super good and super effective. You know why he does it? Why? So we can draw a thousand snowflakes in every panel. And it makes me feel alive to see. Yeah. His, his snow, I I could look at that all day. Yeah. Um, and then when, when she goes in and um, kind of tricks the guard into bringing her to her location, just like this little, she looks like a 12-year-old girl, but she's an ancient being. Mm-hmm. And the way that she manipulates people into doing what she wants and like starts with like, hey, mister, can I have a lollipop? And then within a couple of panels, you, you realize that they are terrified of this little girl who just kind of casually mentioned that she could gut them from you know, neck to nuts if she wanted to. And she's like in love with that scientist that they yeah. pick up. And I don't know why, but I love it. Yeah. Cause he's, he's not a scientist looking guy. He's a young, handsome dude. And she's like, keeps talking about how they're going to get married. And it's, yeah. it's hilarious. It was amazing. Issue 10 is not the end of all of it. Okay. There's like a, the credits and then there's a one page teaser that I don't understand. Nice. Yeah. I mean, every time I read one of these issues, I want to go back and read more of his stuff. I've never read Strangers in Paradise, but I have read, um, I read all of Motor Girl and I read most of Rachel Rising. Was there something else in the middle there? There was Echo, Echo, which was before Rachel Rising, after Strangers in Paradise. Um, I think that's all of them, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's spectacular. Um, I love it. I love it too. And I do want to read all that other stuff. Um, And I don't know when I'll find the time, but I want to, but it doesn't take away massively from this. Like I don't care a ton about the story. It is just some of the best cartooning I've ever seen. And this issue 10, I, I just particularly that young girl, she is so like, cartoon like classically cartoony like this panel yeah like he just has fun with these like vintage almost dennis the menace looking facial expressions like his cartooning is getting a little less strictly realistic and a little bit more just like stream of consciousness 
like it, which yeah which i think is really cool and i just love looking at his line and ink work i think it's gotta be some of the absolute best in comics well and the his storytelling style so like lately i've been looking through a lot of will eisner drawings um just through these uh spirit magazines that i found upstairs in the shop and just kind of going down a a a short little rabbit hole of eisner stuff and he like he's he was an amazing artist um and he did some like radical trickery with the flow of story pages and stuff and terry moore doesn't do that but i think that his panel to panel storytelling has a lot of will eisner in it even though like the style doesn't look the same but the way panels move from one to the next and the clarity of your location is 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 like yeah it's like it's like chris ware kind of did you build a cardboard model of this entire thing before you started drawing this hallway that you're going to only see for two pages you could read any one of these issues and i think you would know enough to enjoy the vignette exactly every single one of them has as like i never go into a comic remembering what happened in the last one (laughs) uh, i haven't felt lost once um i would give nine number nine like an eight eight point five i would give nine a nine yeah yeah i know that goes against saying that that other one was my favorite this week but uh, andrew put an asterisk next to it highlight the cell make it yellow we'll come back to it when we're doing the end of the month accounting We'll, uh, we'll we'll get it all figured out and um I'll wait to get my score for number 10 until Django gets a 10 in his hand and we can discuss it a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I think that's all the comics that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, but I wanted to talk about a couple of the trades that came out. Please, because yeah. holy shit, and people don't get to come into the store and look at our walls. I do know a handful of our listeners have, finger on the pulse, already purchased some of these items. There are a limited number of them we have. They are you know, going down, but they're quantities that we'd ordered a while back. And I think we can get really some more. Yeah, we'll for sure. get more. You want more? Yeah, we'll get more. We'll get more for sure. But um, Django, which of the four do you want to kick off first? And we'll see if we can remember all four. Well, I think, I think uh, the absolute day tripper is the one that I'm most excited about. Um, it is oversized, toothy paper, just like real rough feeling. There's, Great back matter, some sketches, and uh, it's got scripts. a panorama scripts, a panorama of all of the covers. I didn't know that the covers matched up and, and made one big image, but they I do. haven't found that page in the absolute edition, but that's awesome. I, it blew my mind. Wow. Um, it's got giant, like absolute edition sized head drawings of uh, uh, brass in different ages which is kind of what the story's about and i'm excited to reread it my favorite little thing in there was the the like original story proposal that was sent to dc like when mm-hmm. it had the care like and they there are a couple different story proposals that they sent them at different times like just so it traces how the the story has kind of evolved and yeah. I, I love that and and just sort of that this book exists at all is insane yeah, like they've been DC promising book. it for a while, right? That day tripper at all exists. Oh, okay. It's insane to me. Like, 
I can't imagine DC putting that book out now. No, they got rid of Vertigo. Right. Even pitching that as a Vertigo book doesn't seem like it would sell. And like, yeah. it seems like it'd be something that would come out of like IDW, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, for anybody that doesn't know, it's, it basically is 12 issues that tells the, the story of this guy's death in every issue. And sometimes he dies as a young man. Sometimes he dies as an old man. Sometimes he dies as a child. And it's just kind of a meditation on, I don't know, like, like the choices that you make and uh, relationships that you have throughout your life. And, um, you know, including family and, and friends and romantic relationships and how, I guess I should reread it again before I say this, but I think, that when he makes different decisions about relationships, he dies at different times. I think that's yeah. a, that's kind of an ongoing theme in the book. Not, not necessarily every time because that's a, the, the kid one kind of debunks that, but, but he, it's just, ultimately about how decisions affect how your life, you know, all comes out like you're saying. Yeah. And it'll make you cry. Yeah. It's okay. Let it out. I did, I did at least too. once. Yeah. It's a, it's a real effective book. It's, it's, yeah, one of the, one of the best of all times, I think. Um, and it's really, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Yeah. Woo. Written and drawn. I think it, one thing I love about it is that in the extras, they sort of talk about how one of the attempts, one of the things they love about comics is that there is a comic for everybody out there. And a lot of people don't think that there is. And that mm -hmm. they like that. They think that if, if you encounter somebody who genuinely believes that there's not a comic they would be interested in, Day Tripper is like the book to give them to shatter all of their illusions about what a comic book does and what are the, the preconceived notions about a comic. I think it breaks all of those. And I think we've done that many times in the store. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I'm just really glad that there's finally a deluxe. I mean, absolute editions are my favorite binding of any book that you can get. They're my favorite mm -hmm. type of way to have a comic book. Cause they're never so thick that you can't read them. Uh, like a Marvel omnibus can be so weighty right. and thick that it's too cucumbersome, but <laughs> absolute editions are perfect blown up. The ratios are insane. And I like, they give me so much joy to look at. And this, I think we have one copy at the store. They're usually not in print for a huge amount of time. We should order like two more because I do think yeah. that they will go out of print and not be able to be gone because this was advertised like two years ago it's been pushed back for years at this point and it's yeah i think it's well worth it it's i think it's a hundred dollar book and i it wasn't even a question to me whether or not i brought it home yeah you know a lot of times a, an absolute will come in and I'll, I'll have wanted it in the catalog and uh i'll give up on it by the time it gets there but definitely nice. came home at me okay I want to talk about Superman Smashes the Clan came out. This one was by Gene, Gene Lewin Yang with art by Guru Hiru, uh, who had done art in the Spider-Man Venom Double Trouble team-up book that had, came out in the last year that I really enjoyed. And Gene Lewin Yang is amazing and has done so much stuff at this point, so you should probably know his name. But um, it is like a three it was a three issue thing but each issue was like a prestige format spined like 60 page issue so the three issues you know fill out a whole volume and it's just the story uh it's a comic book adaptation of a radio broadcast that came out in like the 50s 
that was at that time the main way it was like the number one radio drama out there so for people who like podcasts and are listening to like radio drama podcasts um it, it was that equivalent but way back in the day and and this radio drama did a story about superman taking down a, a sort of a fictional reincarnation of the the kkk which you know was active at that time and it has an alternate name i forget what it is because i read it I read it in the first week of quarantine, actually, but um, read read something. Yeah, I forget what their name is, but it's um, it's just like a, an incredibly wholesome story. It is, you know, I've only read it within the last like two months, but it immediately is one of my three definitive go-to Superman stories. It's it's one of like the best that exemplifies all things that are great about Superman. It's a great empowering story for like a young girl. Like the main protagonist is like a 10 to 12 year old girl. I almost got that today. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it just made me feel good. It made me sort of yeah. feel lighter and filled with a hope that, um, if you have kids, you should get it for your kids. If you are skeptical about Superman, you should get it to challenge yourself about that. Uh, it has this amazing essay by Gene Luen Yang, who I, you know, I said, you probably know him cause he's an amazing figure in comics, but he's also like the, the national ambassador of children's literature for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and is an incredibly accomplished writer. And he did a story about sort of being a young, uh, Asian American having, come to America and dealing with a lot of the racism. So, you know, there's a lot of, he writes this really long essay that is all printed in it and good God, that essay alone is worth the price of the book. But um, yeah, I, I, I slept on this one as it was coming out. I waited to read it in a collection and it, it's one of the best Superman stories I've ever read. And they finally put a paperback of it out this week. Yeah. I, I super recommend it too. He also did secret coders. Yep which taught me some things I didn't know about binary in a way that was written for children. Uh, and he did, did, did you mention the avatar? I didn't mention books? avatar. He did avatar. Uh, the, the last airbender. Yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah. Um, incredible, incredible writer and human being. Yeah. Um, Django, tell me about last night on earth. Well, it's, uh, it's, supposed to be Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's kind of bookend to their Batman story, um, which started in the new 52. And I would say you have to sort of take that loosely since they're doing uh, dark Knight's metal next. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's a, I think it's more of a thematic bookend for them. Um, sort of in the way that I consider the dark Knight returns to be the end of Batman. They sort of consider this to be the, the end of their Batman which I think is a cool idea. Yeah, and it's it was a black label book and mm-hmm. it's one of the first ones to come out and they've put out these gorgeous black label hardcovers. I Yeah. I am very impressed with the branding on them. I almost texted you Django. It's going to be really weird in 5 years when we've all got these like absolute day trippers that say black label on them after black label has failed as a production experiment. <laughs> and they like, go back to Vertigo or Elseworlds or whatever they want to do and they <laughs> threw these black label things and I think but um yeah, I liked that story much more than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's just a far future Batman carrying around the Joker's head in a jar. Um, things don't make sense, as they often don't in Scott Snyder stories, but who cares because it's metal as hell. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's kind of like an old man Logan for Batman, 
almost in, in the way that he's walking through these wastelands and encountering characters in situations that, that uh, happen after the end of the world. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's great. I haven't flipped through it, but the, I like the paper stock on the cover a lot. It's soft. Paper stock can go a long way. And then finally, I want to talk about Superman Up in the Sky, which is the Tom King, Andy Kubert run that originally came out as 10 issue or 10 page segments in Walmart shots. And then was coming out two of those at a time in issues. And we were selling out of, and all of that was too confusing to keep track of. So I decided to wait until it was in a collection. It's out now. Did you read it all in issues? I think I missed one issue. Um, I liked it pretty well. It felt a little bit disjointed when I read it, but yeah, but I think that that's just sort of the story that he's telling. I, I think it was like, printed in maybe 10 issue or 10 page arcs in the Walmart books. And I think, I think he tried to set up a full little tiny Superman adventure that connected to each other in, in each issue. So you get these short, like here's Superman waiting for governmental um, bureaucracy to come through on this planet for 10 pages. And then here's Superman fighting somebody on another planet in his journey for 10 pages. Um, and my impression was that it was kind of disjointed, which I think was one of the reasons I wanted to wait. Tom King, you know, there's a strong argument to be made for waiting to read any of his stuff in collections, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked it though. I liked what I read. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to have that on the shelf next to the Batman Universe hardcover since both of those were such such cool things that have come out. And I think both of them stand out tonally from most of the other products in that character's line at the time. Yeah, yeah, the Batman universe was amazing. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet. We're Mm. going to, though, with our friend Ryan. Okay, Django, we've done it, all right? We dusted some of the dust off. We pried some of the rust off. You ready for that buckshot round? There's no other comics, Django. We talked about all the comics. There's no other comics. We read other comics. I recorded two other episodes of a podcast this very day. A secret podcast. Not that secret. Um, So, Django... Can I assume that we'll, uh, you know, keep this thing up and comics will be coming out and I'll be regularly getting these up on Mondays again now that the world's restarted? Listen, do what you want. I am not making any solid plans Good. for anything. But Good. If, if you're in, I'm in. Cool. If comics come out, I'm in. Okay, cool. So If well, you get gotta... the podcast up, I'm in. Okay, all right. If you, keep, like if you keep trying to talk, I'll just interrupt you. I'm in. I like that. You know what um, I'm in? Right now. I'm in right now. I get that. And I'm with you there. 180 <laughs> times two is 360. Oh, Which wow. means we're halfway to having a podcast for every day of the year. So does that mean that we need to put it in reverse and go and count down to one? Oh, Grant Morrison going to do a 180 style. Oh my God. A 180. Oh. clever Django clever oh. Justin would have loved that so would Dino yeah you're right I wonder if Dino's listening right now right now while we record this with no one else you never know man that guy that guy can listen to some things I wish you were just sort of had an open phone with him sitting there listening to this the whole time <laughs> all right well listen we gotta we gotta get out of here because uh, we had a big old long day but god it was good to have comics back Django it's nice to see you it's nice to talk about comics I'm Jeff and as always keep watching the skies I'm Django and as always don't look down oh <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty...
pretty intimidating, dude. I like that. I didn't know what to say, buddy. I liked it. I didn't know either. Okay. See ya. Bye.